Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Hello, I'm Sandy Jones, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Christian Living Spotlight, where each week we take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the people who've made this show possible through a generous grant they blessed us with. I am so excited for today's show. It's one I've waited for with great anticipation. Joining me today is my friend Doug Armstrong, chaplain of the State of Idaho Senate, and this was after having served as president and general manager of KTBV's Channel 7 for 22 years. Christian Living Magazine readers may recall that Doug shared a bit of his personal testimony as the cover story in our September-October 2021 edition. Doug, thank you so much for joining me today. Sandy, I am so excited to be here. So, as we were talking earlier, you reminded me that before Channel 7, you were where? For how long? Yeah. Well, I uh, I did the before Channel 7. I was the president general manager of Channel 7. But before that, for eight years, I did the same thing at the NBC television station in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm so and, jealous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Envious. Yeah. Yeah, well, to make it even uh, more interesting, my wife and I actually got married um, and then took our honeymoon in Hawaii, but I already had the job there. So we came back to the mainland, packed our bags, and moved there right after our honeymoon. You honeymooned, you came back to the <clears throat> States, and then you moved there. God, yes. What an adventure. Yes, and we didn't have children for the first five years of our marriage, so we were like newlyweds in Hawaii for this elongated honeymoon for a long time. I am. Yeah, I have been. I, I, as as I shared with you, I, we, my husband and I love Hawaii, and we've been a number of times. But oh, the blessing of getting to live there. <laughs> yes, but I, you know, there's there's um, there's the blessings, and then there's also the challenges. I remember in this was 1988, the first grocery store we walked into as newlyweds, having just moved there. We walked in, grabbed a gallon of milk, and it was four dollars and fifty cents for a gallon of milk in 1988. I was going to say in 1988. And, yep. and uh, I looked at my wife and I said, "I don't think I'm making enough money." <laughs> you know, it's so funny. That's um, yeah. And this show is not about visiting Hawaii, but I will say <laughs> that we have learned, um, especially because we Maui's our favorite, and we've been mm. to Maui. But we have learned where the neighborhood markets are. <laughs> yes, yes. You go to Costco, and then you go to the neighborhood market where. We're the local shop, and so um, it's it's interesting. But yeah, it's very scary. It reminds me of when my son moved to Hollywood, mm. and he was shopping at a Hollywood market, and I could actually send him a name brand food shipped to him on dry ice, cheaper than he could shop at that market. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, you just have to find the neighborhood markets. So how are you doing? You know, I I have a response to that question, and it's never been better. I love that. And, um, and and oftentimes people will say, well, why are you never better? And the reality is, is that I'm one day closer to heaven, and so are you, and yep. so is everybody else, uh, one day closer to seeing my Lord and Savior. And, and so that's got to be the best day ever, right? Absolutely. What hope? What hope? And isn't that, that's what we need right now. That's what we need. That's so desperately. 
So I have to share before before we get down to business. I have to share that when we came last summer to do your photo shoot, my husband Steve and I came and we met your lovely wife Amber. Yes, um, and it was so funny. You guys are so hospitable. We felt like we'd known you for years. Of course, you and I had known each other for a long time. Yes, but, we have. Yeah. Um, we kept running into each other in, at business functions. But we absolutely fell in love with your dog, Babar. <laughs> Babar, yes, the same name as the children's book about the elephant. Yeah. Yep, and you and you told me because I, I ran into you. It's so funny when somebody hits our cover. It seems like I run into them everywhere I go for a while, <laughs> and you kept telling me Babar's the star of the show. <laughs> People kept giving you yes, kept yes. giving you grief about your dog. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's so. very photogenic. Yes, oh, he's and he's so good. I've never seen a dog so well trained. He was so sweet. If you ever need yeah. somebody to keep him for, you know, so while you go on vacation, call me. We'll take him. Well, I will. You know, he was originally trained uh, to be a service animal. He's not for us. He's just a pet. But um, he's living out this life as a pet. But having that foundational training, he's just so obedient and, and so attentive. He is. I, it was just amazing. And he's just got, he's got a sweet, gentle spirit, too. And so that was fun. So as I mentioned, you shared some of your amazing testimony with our readers but I've also recently had the privilege of hearing you live share your story at our church. And I have to tell you that I loved how you compared your story with that of a Shakespearean play mm. um, with specific acts. So I, I was hoping that you would be willing to share at least part of that. We, we, we have a little less time yeah. with the radio show than we did with, with, <laughs> with church, but right. could you, would you be willing to share part of that with our listeners? Happy to do it. Uh, and I'll tell you why I, I chose that structure to tell my story. Um, I had a pastor one time uh, ask me if I would uh, put my remarks together and come and give my testimony. And so I, I, I decided I needed to write it out first because, you know, being an executive all of these years, I, I wanted to have an outline. I wanted to have an approach so I could, you know, be honorable to time and everything. Um, but when I first wrote it out, it was 47 minutes long. And I thought, that's not going to work. No one's going to pay attention for 47 minutes. So... There's this old saying in, in television, uh, make it half as long and twice as good. Oh. And uh, so I started to go through and try to edit and cut things out and try to merge sentences and, and uh, just trying to get it down to the you know 20-minute mark, 25-minute mark. And, and I was really struggling. And, and um, then I, I recalled that William Shakespeare wrote 38 plays, and all of them are divided into five acts. And he did that on purpose because uh, any story can be told very well in those five acts yep. where the first act typically introduces the characters and the setting. The second act uh, talks about the complications of the story. And then the third act is where you reach the climax. And the climax is always in that act three. And then in the fourth act, the climax is shadowed with confusion, putting the final outcome in doubt. And then the fifth act is where you tie up all the loose ends and the story is over. And if you think about it, every human on planet Earth has five acts. Yeah. And you can tell your story. Uh, anybody can do that in, in those five acts. So I used that template and took my 47 minutes and put it into that, that five-act structure, and I was easily able to get it down to about 20 minutes. That was cool. And well, you so, did an awesome job Sunday at church, I can just tell you. <laughs> Well, it's kind of fun too, but uh, um, you know Shakespeare was brilliant, and he he was he was quite a playwright. And so, 
it's it's kind of fun. But most people that I run into in the Treasure Valley uh, know me from my 22 years at Channel 7. But that's really Act 4 of my life. And so you know, I always tell people, if you go to the Idaho Shakespeare Theater and you walk into an unfamiliar play in the middle of Act 4 – you're going to be lost. You're yeah. not. You're not going to know why the characters are doing what they're doing. So, when I meet a lot of people in the in the, you know in here in the valley, um, they they've pretty much walked into my Act Four. And so, um, in my testimony, I try to take people back to Acts One, Two, and Three, so they can have some context and understanding. So. Where does where do we start on Act One? <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of unique in some ways because I'm actually from Idaho, um, and uh, I'm meeting fewer and fewer people uh, that uh, that are actually from here. And my wife is actually from Idaho too. She was born in Idaho Falls, went to CUNA High School. Uh, I was born and raised in Lewiston, Idaho. Graduated from Lewiston High School. Um, but, you know, in terms of my faith journey, uh, that would be my act one, um, growing up in Lewiston. And my mother was a woman of faith, but my father was not. He was actually a race car driver. He was an agnostic and a bit of a rebel, uh, really, when he was uh, a young father. And I just always thought my father's world was way more interesting than my mother's. Um, and my father just seemed to be, you know, excited all the time and and he was a good man. He was an honest man, um, but a rebel and a non-believer. Uh, now, later in his life, he did make a commitment um, to to faith and to Christ, but uh, not as a young father. Yeah, but there's great peace of mind in that. <laughs> not yes, gonna lie. <laughs> yes, there is. And so I just kind of followed in my father's footsteps, and I never looked back. And that was uh, that carried me all the way through my childhood, into my teens, into my twenties. Um, and I, I kind of grew to believe that that uh, Christians, frankly, uh, people of faith, were a little naive. Um, I can see that. And uh, and and I felt they were unscientific. And, um, and because science actually played a pretty big role in my in my young childhood, and uh, I, I tell this in my testimony, but I I was completely head over heels enthralled with the Apollo space program. And it it really had an impact on me. Yeah. And uh, I'll just I'll just give one short little story to tell you how much it did. My mother knew that, by the way, and my father knew that. They knew that I was engrossed with this idea of sending a man to the moon and bringing him home safely. And um, but that was such a part of our childhoods. I'm I'm a little yeah. older than you, not much, but and yeah, it was so much a part of our childhood. It yeah, it was. You know, I was ten years old. This this one night. It was Christmas Eve, 1968, and my mother had created this great dinner, and she just kept she kept winking at me all night because she knew something was up for for this little ten year old boy, and um, so we had dinner at six o'clock, and at six thirty we all went into the living room and watched Walter Cronkite on TV as he was announcing that the Apollo eight astronauts were circling the moon, and then. After that, I was, of course, really amped up as a 10-year-old boy. It was Christmas Eve. The Christmas tree was in the corner. The lights were on. And we opened our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve in our family. And so there was an envelope on the Christmas tree, and my mother handed it to me, and it was a scavenger hunt. And so little Doug, at 10 years old, had to run out to the garage, go upstairs, go down to the basement, and the last clue brought me back to the Christmas tree. And 
when I got back to the Christmas tree, there was a Tasco 200 power telescope that was all set up. Oh, my goodness. And my father scooped me up. We went outside and we looked at the crescent moon that night when Apollo 8 was going around the moon. Now, I could not see Apollo 8, but I told all of my friends at school when I went back in January after Christmas break that I could see Apollo 8 that night because uh, I was a little liar and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I, you know, a little prideful at that age. Had to be cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's the kind of mom and dad that I had. You know, my dad was not a believer, but boy, he was a good dad. And, um, and yeah, so that was like the most memorable Christmas Eve night of my life. Absolutely. And yeah, it would be for me too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we're going to fast forward into your yeah. 20s. And, and yeah. this part, there was part of this that really surprised me because I've known you yeah. for, well, like, again, we crossed paths at, at business meetings. And so, um, but I've always seen the more yeah. the more studious business side of you, I guess, until in you, more recent You've seen years. my act four. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about how you got through college and what really was the driving force that made Doug the businessman? Well, I graduated from college in 1981 and, um, you know, it, I was I was really impacted by kind of the early '80s, the late '70s. There was a book that came out in 1977. It was a book that I still have in my home library, and it's called "Looking Out for Number One." It was a book written by Robert Ringer, and it was published my freshman year in college. And I just I I, I remember vividly how everyone seemed to be reading that book on the college campus that I attended, and and it just was. A real popular thing that uh, that that had an influence on our on our society. It was a New York Times number one best selling book. It, uh, it it was sweeping the the college campuses, and you know it 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 had this notion that you that that the the, the person that you the the human are the center of the universe, and and everything you do needs to be focused around you. Or me, myself, and I, as I, I call it, the humanist trinity, and um, you know, it 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 teaches that um, self-sacrifice is foolish, uh, morality is entirely subjective, and if you do certain things in life to pursue yourself, then you'll get fulfillment and purpose and contentment, and and that book became really influential in my life, and I was a bartender in college. Uh, as soon as I turned twenty-one, I got a job as a bartender and. And uh, worked my way through college that way, and um, learned a lot about human nature uh, from that side of the bar. Just listening to different people talk about their life and their journeys, and and um, uh, you know, I enjoyed it uh, certainly at that time. But I was not a Christian, not a believer, uh, and uh, very much did things I ought not to be doing. I will keep this PG, so I won't go into that. But, there you go. <laughs> but uh, the fact is, is that I was living for me, yeah, and entirely for me, and putting myself number one, and and uh, thinking that I was going to get all the contentment and purpose and fulfillment that comes along with that. At least that's what the book told me. Well, and that was kind of again that was that era. That was so much of that era. It was. And then that was also, when I graduated from college, it was the beginning of the Reagan Revolution. And that's part of my testimony as well. But you know, Wall Street and business executives were really cool. Um, I, I had a business degree, and uh, 
And I wanted to do what everybody else was doing. And I remember business colleges were full, and all of them had more applicants than they had seats. And um, everybody wanted, you know, to get their piece of the pie, and uh, to to grow their net worth and their wealth, and and uh, that just seemed like the thing to do. And your goal, as you said on Sunday, was you your your main goal was to run a company. It was that was my only singular goal, and. And looking back, I realize how shallow that was, how, how you know, unfulfilling really that is, um, because it, it just eliminates all of the, you know, the the beauty of life, uh, family and faith and community and all the stuff that that brings you know meaning to life. Running a company doesn't, yeah. um, but that was my one goal because I thought that's what I needed to do, and the book told me if I could just focus on that, I would get everything I needed. And Eventually, you discovered that wasn't the case. I, uh, yeah, I, I was super focused on that uh, to the point of, you know, to to the point where it got ridiculous um, because that's all I could think about. Uh, and I put my nose to the grindstone. I focused entirely on that goal. And at age thirty-one, uh, which was relatively young for the network television industry at that time. Yeah. I became the president and general manager of the NBC station in Honolulu, Hawaii. And that was really a dream job in our industry. There's so many people that ran television stations around the United States that would um, do anything to actually have the opportunity to do that in the state of Hawaii. Yeah, and um, I can imagine. So I traveled to all the islands and and uh, you know, for client meetings and industry conferences and, and all that. And my wife and I, uh, she had a good job and and uh, it just seemed like we had everything that a young couple would want. Unfortunately, none of that stuff that was promised came with it. The job came with it. The money came with it. And and you know the the prestige when you go out to restaurants and things like that. But but I wasn't getting the fulfillment and the purpose and the contentment and and all the the things that you really want in life. That's that's that God hole that you have that is. You can fill it with a lot of things, but if you don't fill it with the God of the universe, then you find yourself really lacking and wanting for something that you you don't even know what it is. And in my testimony, I talked that Stephen Covey has this quote, that if your ladder is not leaning against the right wall, then every step up you take only gets you to the wrong place faster. faster. I love that, yeah. And that's really where I found myself as I was... I got to the top of the ladder and I looked around and I said, wait a minute, I, this ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And I could look to the other side and see the right wall, but how do you get there? Yeah. And that was, that was the, uh, the dilemma we had. This, this full feeling <clears throat> and this joy that I anticipated is lacking. So I love, because we're here today on KBXL 94.1 The Voice, Christian Talk Radio, mm-hmm. and and so as you're discovering that you don't have this fulfillment that you had anticipated, you developed a little secret life, and I love that because it involved Christian Talk Radio. It did, and and that's why stations like this are so important to the world. They don't even know. Well, they probably do, but it's so important. Yeah, I I was embarrassed to uh, overtly and publicly, you know, do a search for the right wall, the yep. faith, the faith world. So I started secretly listening to Christian radio and going back and forth to work. In my car, I found a radio show called A New Beginning 
uh, from this young pastor in Riverside, California, who is just starting his crusades, and his name was Pastor Greg Laurie. And I, I started listening to Pastor Laurie, and then I would tell my wife about uh, what he was talking about, and then she started listening to him secretly from home, and we talk about it. And then I ran into a, a, a local pastor in Hawaii and told him I was secretly listening to that radio show. And he said, wow, what a coincidence, you know? Greg Laurie's coming to Honolulu, Hawaii, to the Waikiki Bandshell, to an outdoor crusade. And he, he invited me to go. And uh, my wife and I, we thought about it and debated it and eventually did go. And that night, um, September 15th, 1991, my wife and I both made a commitment uh, to change the vector of our life entirely. And the one thing I love about God's economy is that U-turns are allowed. Yep. And and we both made a major U-turn that night and uh, gave Jesus sole dominion of our life. And it's and it's a phenomenal change. And we don't I wish we should have booked two or three days on this show because we could <laughs> we could talk about that and the and the life change that it makes because Monday morning you go back to work. And, yes. it's, and it's business as usual. But Greg Laurie made a phenomenal change in your life. And that's kind of what brought you here today. When when we did your story last summer, you said, I really want to save my, my radio time for closer to the Boise Harvest. And you have really dedicated a lot of your own personal time and energy to the Boise Harvest Festival that's coming up April 23rd and 24th at yes. the Extra Mile Arena. So do you want to share a little bit about that? I'm so excited for that. You know, we're going to have some great musical acts. Greg Laurie uh, has had this in the pipeline for two years now. Yeah. It got postponed because of COVID, um, because the Boise State couldn't allow that many people crammed into a facility. Um, but we can now, yeah. and uh, it's happening. And Greg Laurie will be here with Chris Tomlin and a number of other musical acts. The beauty is it's entirely free. So please come bring your friends. The doors open Saturday night and Sunday night at 4.30 p.m. The event starts at 6 p.m. So come early because it's open seating and um, you will not be disappointed. Greg Laurie is, I'm so proud of him. He is so, so able to communicate the truth in this loving and kind way. And we need to hear the truth today because we are confused. And one of the things I love about Pastor Laurie is that he's he's authentic. He's like you and I. He has a he has a prodigal testimony. Yes. So it's genuine faith. It's it nitty gritty. It's your testimony. You know, I was more into science and, you know, felt like Christians were maybe naive. And and Greg has a real past. He's a genuine person. Yes. And it's so easy for him to connect with our friends and our family who don't know the love of Jesus Christ. Well said. Well said. And what a great, fun evening to go to that could make an eternal difference mm -hmm. in your family tree. You never know. You just don't. And, and as Mother Teresa said, our job is not to be successful. It's to be faithful. So just invite somebody. And I'm, don't worry about the success of it. Just plant the seed. I love that. So where can our listeners go to find out more information about the Harvest Festival? There's a website, boiseharvest.org. Uh, I think that's it. And, um, and there's everything you need to know on there. That's cool. Um, and they also have a Facebook page if you search Boise Harvest on Facebook. 
Um, one thing I want to mention, we are completely out of time, but I do want to get this in. If Folks, they are still needing volunteers. And if you're looking for an opportunity to volunteer, which will allow more seeker seats, go to the Harvest website, scroll down about three quarters of the way on the homepage, and it'll say, want to get involved. And then there's a button that says, that you can click on that says, here's how. And you can sign up in the area where you feel the strongest led. We've run out of time. Please, again, invite your friends to join us at the Boise Harvest Festival on April 23rd and 24th at the um, Extra Mile Arena. And if you'd like to read Doug's story, you can find it under the Past Issues tab on our website, christianlivingmag.com. I hope you'll join us again next week. We've got another amazing guest in store for you. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout the Treasure and Magic Valleys and in Central Idaho through McCall. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.